language would increase more and more, Daniel prophesied. Our modes of communication have certainly accelerated. Can you agree? From wired phones to cordless phones to cell phones and all their variations, flip phones, iPhones, Blackberries, Pearls, and etc. What I really want to know is, is the plural for Bluetooth, blue teeth or is it Bluetooths? From snail mail to junk mail to air mail to priority and express, we have never seen such competition between courier services. With fax machines and e-machines, things had never been faster. From emails to text messages, multimedia and instant messaging, I think we can all agree that the day of smoke signals and talking drums is long gone. When is the last time you received a telegram? Stop. That was supposed to be funny. Obviously, nobody's ever received one. Stop. Somebody stop me. From billboards to message boards, bulletin boards and milk cartons, communication is everywhere. With magazines and webazines and newspapers, local, national, and international press releases, web releases, and RSS feeds. Are Alaskans really reading all this stuff? I thought it was funny. From broadcast to podcast, broadbands to modems, has the demand for walkie-talkies gone down any? Over? Woo, this is bad. Radio waves are everywhere. Short, medium, and long. AM, FM, XM. This satellite thing is getting serious. In February, the FCC is forcing U.S. broadcast television to go digital. From cable TV, satellite, direct, and dish, there have never been more channels. There are now food channels, travel channels, sports channels, reality channels, court channels, local channels, foreign channels, news channels, channels for movies and channels for comedy and reruns. All of this is enough to turn our pupils square. Is anyone having a Disney spell? I think I've made the point that we're living in the information age. Because of all of this, we now have more access to bad news than we've ever had before. Is it any wonder that fear is induced and despair is multiplied? I heard about a man today, when he gets up in the morning, he turns on CNN, and it's on all day long. And CNN it wants to be America's news station, so they have a liberal slant, but then they give some equal time, well, maybe not equal time, to more independent thinkers as well as more conservative thinkers. So by the time you listen to all those people all day, you're mad at everybody. In this season, we're attempting to bring biblical encouragement to counter the flood of all of this spin and stuff. Does anyone like good news? Are you ready for some today? After having two guest speakers here, Jan Denharder and Roger Fry, preach on how to overcome fear, I've spoken twice along the same lines. One was on how to stand in shaky times, and the last time I spoke was how to do all to stand. Next Sunday, the Lord willing, I'll speak on how to handle disappointment and conclude this series the following Sunday on Double for Your Trouble. I'm looking forward to that day. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. Today, I would like to, with the help of the Lord, speak about how to be empowered when you feel incapable. How to be empowered when you feel incapable. Have you found 2 Corinthians chapter 4 yet? Let's pray. Father, 
I thank you so much that your word encourages us. And Lord, it's more than a, a shallow hype or a, a pump us up kind of thing. But Lord, there's content, there's substance to it that transforms the way we think. Lord Jesus, I ask you to do what only you can do today. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the context here, he's talking about the treasure that we have in Jesus. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. And that those whose minds are still blinded to the gospel of Jesus, they don't understand what a treasure Jesus is. Verse 7 says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are earthen vessels, but the treasure in our lives is Jesus. Here's our text today. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So our bodies are the earthen vessel, and the treasure is Jesus. And He is manifested in our lives, especially in hard times. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, quoting from the Old Testament, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, but the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal." How to be empowered when you feel incapable. Has your 401k become a 201k? Are things decreasing that you want to see increasing? Or are things increasing that you don't want to see increasing? Like my 2-2 is now a 4-4. So life itself has its challenges. But the season we're in, I believe, is what the Bible foretold as being perilous times. We say that, perilous times. And you may seem incapable. I, I feel sorry for our government right now. I understand Cap Capitol Hill, two-thirds of the cars on Capitol Hill are foreign cars. They're Toyotas, Nissans, and BMWs. And they're wrestling with the fact that whether or not to wrestle the big three when they themselves, the majority of them, don't like the products of the big three. Are they going to bail out something that's going to shipwreck them in the long run? They're in a difficult time. Perilous times. I'm incapable of telling them what to do. But we're to pray for those that rule over us. Amen. Verse 11 and 12 again. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake 
that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is in you. If we had a, a bottle up here filled with liquid and we broke that bottle, the contents of the bottle would come out, would they not? And as earthen vessels, when life comes against us and battles us and breaks us, it doesn't crush us, but it does break us. The Bible acknowledges the reality of hard times. What comes out of us at that point is proof whether or not Christ is in us. So I'm not, not up here to condemn, and I'm up here just to encourage us to focus on Jesus, get filled with Jesus, stay in love with Jesus, so that when you're buffeted, your witness isn't ruined. Well, he made me he made me mad, and I told him blank anybody. Well, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, what we are is determined by is revealed. What we really are is revealed when we are uh, buffeted. Paul here is, you know, in an intense season, perilous times. Christianity is highly illegal in the Roman Empire, and he's going to go to prison. He's eventually going to be beheaded. And he has a revelation of what suffering is. It's an opportunity to show Jesus. It's an opportunity to, to live a life in such a way that others are benefited. It's counter to the way we think as human beings. Human beings, if they had their way, would reform Christianity and their favorite hymn could be sung to the tune of Amazing Grace. Me, 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 me. Me, me. Me, me. So the key to becoming empowered in times when you feel incapable is understanding it's not all about me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and the furtherance of His kingdom, and I have a part to play in that. Play in that. It's about more than Sunday morning Christianity. It's a 24-7 relationship thing with the King. We celebrate His birth. We celebrate His coming. We rejoice in His return, hallelujah, but we're between the first and the second comings of Jesus. And this is where He's to be reigning in us. The church is an agency expressing His kingdom reign in the earth. This is where we are conformed to the image of Christ. This is what we've been predestined to do, to become like Jesus. So we're in process. Could you imagine what heaven would be like if no one there was conformed to the image of Jesus? It wouldn't be heaven for very long. Things would start catching on fire. It would become hell. So we're here in process. In the midst of these difficult times, the Father doesn't get shook up by tough times. He's not shook up by the Dow report and all the other reports. Uh, his communication systems are superior to all. He knows everything in advance. He has what's called foreknowledge. He's omniscient, all-knowing, all science. All, all science is His. And so... In our submitting to His leadership, sometimes we're led to take up our cross. So our first point of five points today in being empowered when you feel incapable is to embrace your cross. Everybody say, my cross. There's a cross. Beware of a crossless gospel. Maybe someone told you when you became a believer, everything's going to be wonderful, hunky-dory. You're just going to be blessed and nothing is going to go wrong. Not necessarily true. Those who have been accused of preaching that deny preaching that. To embrace our cross involves two things. A is to lay down everything that has to do with our will. 
And B is to pick up only that which has to do with His will. Now, sometimes I don't know what God's will is, but I know it is to let His love reach its destination. I know it is to forgive and be released from bitterness and unforgiveness. I know it is to pursue the good for others. Jesus said in Luke 9, and it's echoed in three other places, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We are all benefited by those who've lived before us, who laid down their life for us. We wouldn't be in this room today if our mothers were not willing to go through hell to bring us into being. Push! <laughs> the freedom we experienced in this nation was because somebody was willing to lay down their life to make us free and to keep us free. Are we thankful for our armed forces? Someone's willing to lay down their life, not their will, not their desires. So, so it works in the kingdom. It's not that foreign from our natural life. Is laying down your life for the benefit of others is God's purpose for us as believers. And we've all experienced that. Having been done for us, now it's our turn. Bless others. So when opportunities arise to serve, serve. If you think you're above serving others, you're not ready for the cross. Hallelujah. When we embrace our cross, then resurrection can happen. You will be amazed at what will happen. Years ago, I thought I was going to pastor, take a church over in Miami, and it didn't happen, and I was devastated. And I was mad at God. But peace finally came one day and I embraced the cross. And it was while I was praying, I surrendered my will to the Lord and I drew this sketch in my journal. It was a graveyard. It says, here lies life the way Alan Ladda wants it. It's all over. Not my will, but his be done. Amen? Our victory was won at the cross, but it would never have happened had it not been for the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus Christ prayed, not my will but yours be done. So, sometimes, this being crucified thing is easier than you realize because somebody's attacking you. When you're being slandered, whatever you do is used against you. Do you know that? So you have a right to remain silent. Man, that just kills your pride, doesn't it? Urgh. But if you retain that right, I mean, that's in our Constitution. You retain that right. Hold on. Lies go around the world, but truth is put his shoes on. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, the Lord said. Resurrection comes. But as long as we're alive and not willing to be nailed to that cross, whatever it is we face, we don't experience resurrection. And so it is, others are not blessed by our lives. He said, death is working in us, but life in you. This man was willing to suffer, willing to work hard for the betterment of the kingdom of God, and willing to write uh, around a half, over half of the New Testament. So we are blessed by him laying down his life. Christ is our master. He's our Lord. He made the example. We, we follow in his footsteps. 
All right. If you don't have that point, I've not done a good job on it, so pray about it and check it out in your own Bible. The notes will be on the website. We now have podcasts where you can hear the sermon if you want. Go to Generations People or GenerationsChurch.org. Either one will get you there. Here is a man that was willing to lay down his life. His name is Mehdi Debaj. He's an Assemblies of God pastor. He spent 10 years in prison for his faith. He is from Iran. He converted to Christ from Islam in 1955, and he was given every opportunity by authorities to regain his freedom. He was even asked to sign a paper admitting that he was wrong and that he wanted to return to Islam. When this failed, he was beaten, tortured, and imprisoned some more and put through mock executions. His wife even succumbed to pressure, returned to Islam, and married another man. But Pastor Debaj's children refused to renounce their faith. Next, he was offered freedom in exchange for admitting he was mentally unstable. He refused and continued his ministry while being persecuted, and soon he was martyred. Heroes like this are all over the Middle East and where Christianity is illegal, serving the purposes of Christ. Here's the result of what's happening in Iran because people are willing to lay down their lives. In 1977, there were 2,700, 2,700 evangelicals in Iran, which has a population at the time of 45 million. That was in 77. Of these, only 300 of the 2,700 were former Muslims. Today, there are close to 55,000 believers, of whom 27,000 are from Muslim background. The kingdom is advanced. Persecution advances it. But it comes when we embrace the cross so that others can live. Read the text again. We who live are delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So if, if the suffering we experience as a Christian goes to the point of our death, it benefits others. But we live in a land of the free, do we not? Probably we'll never be in prison for our faith, Lord. You know, we're to pray to that end anyway. But what suffering do you experience? Are you willing to take it and move forward and bless others anyway when you would rather be blessed? All right, let's move on to the next point. Number two, engage your tongue. Verse 13, Paul wrote, We have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that He who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Engage our tongue in alignment with what we believe. If I believe this earthly life is a temporal life and I have eternal life, it kind of throws a kink into the desire to want to complain. Complaining is talking as though this is all there is. And we have no hope. We are not hopeless saints. Our King has risen from the dead as a firstfruits from the grave and has promised to return to us. We believe that, therefore we speak in light of that truth. What we say has tremendous impact on our life. Here's a couple verses about the tongue. 
There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Proverbs 12, 18. 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. To engage our tongue, we should silence any words that, di that discourage trust in God. It could be words in your head, words in your heart, words coming out of your mouth. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Yes, but the story is not over. Yes, but I'm still standing. Yes, but I read the back of the book and we win. Yes, but I'm eternal. <laughs> this shall come to pass. Speak those things that comfort, edify, and exhort. Speak. That's what New Testament prophecy is. Comforting, edifying, and exhorting. In the early days of our marriage, Yvette and I had a lot of economic challenges. And we came to the place where we realized complaining wasn't doing us any good. And any time one of us said something negative, we each said this to each other when it happened. I believe you're a prophet and everything you say comes to pass. Well, we, uh, that kind of nipped it in the bud. I don't want what I'm saying to come to pass. So this whole spiraling thing where you go into despair is spanned. Or sped up by our mouths. So we need to watch what we say. I'm not saying not to be honest, not to acknowledge the truth. If you're sick, you're sick. But you're not dying and, you know, woe is me. Complaining will turn a pity party into a festival. Watch this.
Now, some have taken the teaching on the tongue and carried a little too far, I think. But just because they are, I'm not going to do away with the truth. Amen? Just because some may major on something that make a truth the truth, um, I'm not going to be scared away from the truth. It is the truth. What we say has a tremendous impact on our lives. Verse 15, For all things are for your sakes. All things are for your sakes. Everything I'm going through, he said to the reader, are for you guys. Is everything in our lives for the benefit of others? All we do is for your sake. Kind of gets our eyes off of ourselves. That grace, having spread through the many, its whole purpose of God's grace can be spread throughout the earth, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. God is looking for worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And as people receive His grace, His undeserved blessing, His unmerited favor, what happens? Worship happens. Not hyped up worship, but genuine appreciation. Someone's kind to you, what do you do? You express thanks, thankfulness. So it is that um, when we lay down our lives for others and they benefit from that, God gets the glory. And if he gets all the glory, it empowers us because yes, it's, we're part of something bigger than what we are. So it's not about me getting credit for what I'm doing for someone else, but it's about him getting all the glory. So backing off of that point and just looking at the fact that we have been benefited by others before us so that we can experience God's grace, so that grace can result in thanksgiving. To me, that speaks of worship and the need to encounter God. When we're needing to be empowered, as you encounter God, things happen. As we encounter God, it softens our hearts so we can hear His voice, and we actually hear Him speak to us. Scriptures come alive. It happened here today. Scriptures come alive. The Spirit breathes on the pages of Scripture and speaks a word to us that encourages us. So as we encounter God's presence, we are encouraged. So we need to enter His presence daily and understand that His grace is freely given. And this inspires us worship as worshipers as well as it gives us boldness to encounter His presence every day. Uh, Psalm 95.2 says, Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with songs. So people lay down our lives for us, lay down their lives for us so that we could get to know Jesus, so that we could have the freedom to know Him so that we could find out about His grace without fear of imprisonment. And having received that grace, we can worship freely. Hallelujah. We've got a reason to praise Him. And as we do, we encounter His presence. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, Psalm 100 says, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Hebrews 4 encourages us to go boldly into the presence of God. Go boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we feel our weakest, we are our strongest if we will run to the one who is our strength. It's when I think I'm strong that I'm really not that strong because I'm not dependent on the strong one like I should be. Does that make sense?
to encounter God. Fourth point. As we encounter God, we present to Him our needs and our petitions. Prayer is powerful. Who knows that? It's absolutely powerful. This video just kind of demonstrates in kind of a mystical video of what's going on when we pray. I like it. I believe it's a whole lot like this. struggling, when we're weakest, I really suggest turn the cell phone off, turn all the media outlets off in your house, and do some me mail. Turn on some worship music, get your Bible, and just, just be yourself in God's presence. Lord, here I am. I need help. He knows what our whimperies, what our whimpers mean. I, bre I believe in praying biblical, but I also believe in praying honest. So biblical prayers start with honesty. So start with who you really are and where you really are. You need forgiven for something. Start at that point asking for forgiveness. That's the right protocol. Father, I ask for your forgiveness for, for this, that, and the other, whatever. And then just present your needs to him and then just spend time with him. The Bible promises, the New Testament promises, in the book of James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote, if we draw near to God, He draws near to us. As I magnify Him, things that look big don't look so big anymore. There's an old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Um, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to Him in prayer. Oh, what grace we often forfeit. Oh, what pain we needless bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Next point is part of that. When you pray, entrust your future to Him. The thoughts, I no longer have a future, is a lie. You do have a future. You're just in your present right now. You can't live tomorrow today. You have to live right now. 
Uh, Proverbs says the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Some people are always living for the future, always living in the future. I'm not saying you're not supposed to prepare for the future. You have to live today and entrust your future into the hands of God. You can't entrust it to the government and entrust it to God. Admit that you need strength to be renewed every day. We need daily strength. That man I need is fresh every morning. Access the privilege of prayer often. When you pray, say, so Lord, here's the things I'm worried about. Here's the things that bother me. Peter is part of the inner circle of the 12 apostles. The big three, James, John, and Peter, were closest to Jesus. He wrote, likewise, you younger people, submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care. Can we say all our care? Upon him, for he cares for you. That's the New King James Version. When you hear the word cast, I think efficient. Cast your nets or you cast a line out. When I cast for fish, I'm always reeling that thing back in, checking the hook, right? That's not this kind of casting. When you cast it, leave it. If you wake up in the morning and you got it again, cast it back. All your cares, everything, even the thing you think is insignificant. The Father's not going to say, what, you're coming to me with that again? Surely you can do something on your own. Can't you see I'm busy here? He wants them all because he's our father. He cares for us. Final point is enlarge your vision. The scripture for entrusting our future was we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Enlarge your vision. Listen to this, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I can't see tomorrow, but tomorrow's there. I can only see today, but today's passing away. Um... Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not real. The one time I've been to Colorado, I was real excited. Went there with Steve Seifer for it was a three-day deal, four-day trip. We were there camping in the mountain for two days. Never saw the tops of the mountains because of the clouds. It was cloudy. I was disappointed. But as we're loading up, the thought came to me, just because you can't see the tops of the mountains doesn't mean they're not there. Just because it's dark at midnight doesn't mean the sun's not going to rise at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or whenever it is. Just because the clouds are overcast doesn't mean the sun's never going to shine again. Just because you can't see eternity doesn't mean it's not there. We do not have to be captive and view everything in light of the scene. We are people of faith. People who live in light of the eternal. So to enlarge our vision, to look at the things which are not seen, we must realize how wrong our perceptions can be. 
Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If your perception is creating fear or anger, you're not seeing things perfectly. Oh, you may feel it with every fiber of your being, but that light is not light. It's actually darkness. You see that? Our perception affects how we live, how we react, how we dream, how we work, and how we relate. It affects our ministry. We live in the realm of the seen and not the realm of the unseen. Our perception is skewed. Watch this. tries to control what we see. Therefore, what we see in the media, especially in the news, is not always totally true. It's amazing to me that a short time after the horrible aftermath of Hurricane Ike, it backed off on a report and was reported all on, all on Wall Street. There's a whole lot more people died in Galveston 
They were warned, but it was a whole lot more devastation there than is reported in the news. And yet our nation is so self-centered that it became all about other things. I'm sure if it was New Orleans again, it would it would have captured it. But anyway, the, the point is, our perception isn't perfect. It's manipulatable. And we have to, as people of God, keep it free. St. Francis, when he was converted, prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, help me see this world with your eyes. Otherwise, I might value what you despise and despise what you value. Lord, help me see this world with your eyes. Otherwise, I might value what you despise and despise what you value. We need to keep an eternal perspective by faith. We can't see the whole parade of time. We can only see the floats that are passing by us. That's what makes a parade fun, isn't it? You don't know what's happening next. Life is like that. Bad things happen, but good things happen as well. We are people who walk by faith, not by sight. Second Corinthians says in the very next chapter, Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The faith we have in our heart is evidence of the reality of the invisible things yet to come. We're to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross when looking at today, all he could see was suffering. But by faith, he knew the throne was on the way. Reward was coming. Saints, friends, believers and unbelievers, the story for you is not over. Don't lose hope. Be encouraged. Enlarge your vision. Get an eternal perspective. See things from God's perspective. In reality, God is to be our vision. In a few moments, Andy's going to come up during a time of ministry. We're going to have the ministry team come forward and pray with anyone wanting to receive ministry. Not yet, just a few moments though. And he's going to sing this song, Be Thou My Vision. It's an old hymn with an, an Irish lilt. And him and Aaron Ellis wrote a chorus to it. It needed a chorus. They wrote one. It's great. The hymn says, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou, my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I heed not or man's empty praise, praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thy only, first in my heart. High King of Heaven, my treasure, thou art. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The earthen vessel we have is subject to difficulties. But the treasure we have within us overcomes all difficulties. Let's make Jesus our focus. The last verse says, High King of Heaven, my victory won. 
May I reach heaven's joy, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Father, I pray that you, Lord, would be our vision. That we would be captivated by affection for you. And that you would be the lens through which we view life. In Jesus' name. who are on our prayer ministry team come and join me across the front. If you'd like to pray with anyone about anything to be related to the sermon or not necessarily related to it, we want to be here to pray with you. There's power we could also say encourage uh, praying with someone. Jesus said wherever two or three of you agree on anything in prayer, they'll have what they ask. And so the power of prayers multiply when you pray with another person or persons. So we're here to pray for you as 
Andy sings this awesome hymn, ancient hymn of the church. Heroes gone before us, laid down their lives for us, and they met the challenges in their generation. And we're going to as well. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're here to pray with anyone needing to receive prayer as Andy leaves worship. Oh, uh-huh.